We're back. This is the Knicks Wall Podcast, presented by Whistle Sports Network. I am your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me, as always, the Whistle Sports Podfather, TKWOG, Kyle Maggio. Kyle, what's up, brother? Yeah, not much, man. What's going on? Busy day. Busy day. Back to back. Busy. Uh, busy couple of days. Busy week for the Knicks. Uh, after we just had nothing to talk about. I mean, it's uh it's so much so that we had to bring somebody else on to help yes. us talk about these things. Yes. Uh, Joining so us, TKW Grinder from the writing staff. You've noticed his name a lot because he's writing a lot. Sam Giovanni. Sam, what's up, man? Hey, man. Feels good to make my podcast debut. Thanks, guys, for having me. Excited yeah, to be here. Glad to have you. Now we brought the news. So, speaking of news, I mean, there's no way to even beat her. So, this, just, just for the people... Uh, we just did the World Wide West episode. And we were going to just try to get into that coaching pod. You know, we want to just do the deep dive. And, it, you know, every time we finally have something planned for you guys, it seems like, like not, not just what's, you know, current events. Like when we finally go ahead and we plan something, that's when the Knicks decide to give us all the news. So on that note, the big, the big wave from yesterday was the Knicks waived Alonzo Trier to claim Theo Pinson from the, the Nets. Uh, or formerly of the Nets. And I already have gotten some pushback online. I'm open to hearing what you guys have to say. But what a ridiculous move. I mean, even if you didn't like Trier, even if you, you thought the defense wasn't there, even if you, you want to lie to yourself and say he was only an isolation guy while ignoring his excellent catch-and-shoot numbers from his rookie season, even if you want to do all those things. For Pinson? He Not sucks. Working. I'm, he stinks. He stinks. I don't, I don't have a problem with Pinson, though. My whole thing was, and by the way, I didn't know Trier was so polarizing because it's literally split 50-50 on Nick's Twitter, which I found very funny. Because... I, I think it's the most hilarious thing that it's split on Nick's Twitter because everybody on Nick's Twitter always he acts caught like – me off guard. Everybody act, act on Nick's Twitter acts like for, for you to like a guard, for the guard to be good, he has to be able to shoot. He has to be able to pass, and he has to be able to defend. And the Knicks never have a guy who could do even two of those things, right? So, so to me, it always so that made me laugh off rip. Like you know, oh well, he doesn't play defense. Okay, well Frank doesn't play offense. So what are we doing here? So, so, th- so this is that's part one of my issue. Part two, this is one of the worst offenses in the league. They were in dire need of shooting. Period, especially from the guard position. So you would think the guy who put up a strangely efficient rookie season, you would probably rely on him a little bit more, even in his isolated role as just a scorer. It just seemed very silly to me just for them to not play him. I, I spoke about this on the pod, but to, to cut him for Pinson is, is what bothers me. It's, this doesn't even feel like it's not even a lateral move. It's a negative move. Like, nah, this is for sure a negative in my mind. Yeah, 29th in the league in scoring, Knicks were, and they couldn't use Trier. I just find that really funny, and that's where I was more bothered. I didn't – adding Theo Pinson, sure. I saw Sam posted 
Theo's Theo Pinson's G League numbers, they actually look pretty good. They do look pretty good, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like it's that's the bad move. I just am upset. Do, do you know how ended? Do, do you know who else's G League numbers look really good? Kenny Wynn. Do you know who else is? Trey Burke. Do you know who else is? Uh, Jimmer Fredette. Do you know who else is? Jimmer. I mean, I mean, I, like I mean look, this list, this list goes on. I'm sorry. And you guys know that I'm like, yeah, go ahead. pretty even big on this podcast. That, um, you know, I, I've always liked the, the Knicks developmental system. I thought they do a good job with the Dub Knicks. I thought there's, they definitely get good use out of it. They've had useful guys come up. You know, even Kadeem Allen playing that dual role, you know, for two seasons of, you know, trying to give them some kind of consistency, you know, the guard position. I mean, they've, they've done a good job. But, like, at the same time, there's only so much stock. Like, not all of these guys are going to be worth a damn, you know? Like, it, when, when guys start moving around and hovering in the G League, to me, like, and I've already seen enough of him, too, as a net. Like, I, I don't not watch the Nets games. I, I always try to watch as much of both Knicks, Nets, whoever I can actually get, you know, on, on not blackout channels. But um, I don't know. It, it just, it, to me, it was just very silly. I don't know. I just, I'm not very impressed by it. And again, it really strikes me that Knicks fans have talked, like deluded themselves into thinking that the most important skill in basketball is the least important thing that you need to this team, especially for a team in 2020 where everybody knows offense wins. We know that, right? Like it's well known, right? Like it, the, the, as soon as the Warriors won, it was, uh, it was official, but it was kind of already known around 2014, 15, like jump shooting teams start to win more. Like you need that. It's a staple. That's how you're going to win. And the Knicks don't have that. And it just seems very silly to me that anybody would die on the stance of, well, actually, they didn't need Trier because they need less shooting or they don't need his skills. It, to me, it's very silly. Sometimes you got to let guys like that go and help your offense, and then you worry about the defense afterwards. But it is what it is. There seems to be a lot of um, obsession with, like, Trier's shortcomings. Like, I get it. He was not a very good defender. He wasn't really strong as a playmaker. But he had a good enough foundation where he could create his own offense – and like you said, it was really good. I think I checked NBA.com. He was 40% catch and shooting from three. Like, that's definitely a good foundation, even though he's kind of an old rookie. You would think that's absolutely a guy worth keeping around. No, no, just just an isolation score, Sam, of course. Just an isolation score. Yeah, just an isolation score. I mean, the Knicks, as we know, have too many of those. So they just have to let one go. Yeah, nat- naturally. We, we need more Alfred Payton and Frank Nielakino on offense. And as much as I, I'm not even trying to, like, slam Frank, but it's like, I mean, like, good Lord. Like, how many games are we going to watch where the guards can't – you know, nobody shoots 30% from deep. You know what I mean? How, how many times are we going to do this? And then and then talk ourselves into, well, defense is first as we, you know, stumble That's towards the – and defense and no offense. De- de- it's just, I mean, what are we watching at this point? And the defense isn't even that good. So, it's it's just very silly to me. Uh, again, but much ado about nothing. They, they cut him and – Yeah, but uh, it's just annoyed me. I feel like he was the one guy that you knew that had a clear role. Like, I keep going back to that oh, that October game in Brooklyn. Nobody was hitting a basket. You put Trier in, he gets you 22 points, and suddenly a game does. that should have been over, it should have been over that game, ended up taking Kyrie Irving to hit that uh, game winner over RJ. That shouldn't yeah. have been a close game, and that's because that's the type of games he could go into. The one egregious part of his game that you can't really defend, he doesn't pass. He averages less than one, less than two assists. For, for, for sure. But, and, it's and not now that... enough to not play, though. Just to be clear. And, and yeah, here, here's my unpopular take with what people do with guards uh, with, with the passing thing sometimes. Uh, yes, uh, in a perfect world, your, your guards, that any of your guards are going to go out there and give you 20 and 10 or 
15 and five or, you know, some nice scoring to assist ratio. Of course, of course, that is what you hope for. And in an ideal guard, you want somebody who can do both of those things at any given moment, of course. But sometimes you can't get those guys at all. So sometimes you need guys that can do one of those things, especially the scoring part, you know? And it's just like, I just don't know how many times, like, how can you struggle to score time after time and then think like, ah, we don't need that. It's, I'm disheartened by our anti-scoring stance in New York at this point. Uh, we, We just don't want to score. I'm trying to decide whether it's just Nick fans just trying to be like, oh, we're because you know how we get that rep that, oh, they're they're smart basketball fans. I wonder if that's like just trying to be a very charlatan about it, where it's like, oh, you just can't see the nuance of the game. But Frankie Lakina is way more valuable than Alonzo Trier, which he is. But you know, what I mean, they're overvaluing some of Frank's game while devaluing Trier's game. They, they act like the, the 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 scoring guard off the bench is not a thing that's always been a staple in the NBA or just having a guy focused on offense and not really worried about passing isn't a thing. Like, again, yes, ideally they would do both those things, but to act like guys who can score well don't deserve a spot in this league on on one of the worst teams in the NBA very clearly, and it's surely one of the worst offenses. It was just – it was very silly. I I do wonder if there was off-court stuff going on because it does not make sense that they didn't play him. Um, But it is what it is. I'm upset. Everybody can roll their eyes at me all they want. I don't really care. Uh, I, because everybody does this thing too, where it's like, well, now you got to give the new regime a chance. But then, okay, so now I'm not allowed to say anything, right? Because I got to give the new regime a chance. And then as it's happening, I can't say anything. I got to give them a chance. I got to see where they're going with this. And then, okay, it's too late. We realize this stinks. Don't talk about it anymore. Move on, move on. We're on to the next regime. Let's see what they do. And nobody ever wants to like talk about Wait, things you, stink in the moment. Are you mad at Leon Rose for this move? I'm more mad at Perry Fisdale. I'm mad at the past regime I, more than... I'm Rose at, is just like, no, no. all right, whatever. We're not going to... I'm mad at the past, regi- uh, past regime for sure. I, I think that's predominantly where the blame falls. I do think if you're Leon Rose evaluating the team and you need to make some decisions and your first choice is to wave Alonzo Trier when somebody who like really clearly outright stinks, like Kevin Knox is still on your roster. Like To me, that's kind of that's silly. You know what I mean? It's well, like... It, it was like like I just feel like there was other guys like like there's other guys on this team that didn't you could have yeah, like yeah go ahead Tim um, yeah I mean <clears throat> definitely worse guys I mean cutting Knox after two years would have broken Twitter that would have oh, well, they would, they would, they would never have, they would but, never have done it but well that no. was a money situation it's all about club control right because Trier they would have to be in a restricted free agent Knox they have under control for I think two more years I'm not yeah. mad at it not being Knox but what about Alfred. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, 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 like you, you weren't yeah, going to, you weren't exactly. going to, you weren't going to keep all these vets anyway. You know, it's like, so what are, you, what are we doing here? Now, now you're going to decline some of their options anyway. A couple roster spots are going to open up. Like, I, I, I find it very silly. I, I'm not, I'm displeased. I'm displeased. And again, you know, now, now we got to figure out where to get scores from. Yet again, uh, so. It is what it is. So, Sam, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Pinson since you're the one that's put on those stats and that actually turned me on to him a little bit. But I was like, I just know him from the from that bad tweet where the Nets had him going on the one train to Barclays. Just oh, yeah. shows how native New Yorkers they are. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so what, what are we looking at with Pinson? Are we just looking at another rotational guy, maybe a Damian Dotson type, or what is – I honestly don't know if I can answer that question, man. I looked up his stats and I saw a few stats to find out more about him. 
I don't know too much about him. All it, I mean, if he can do that fun dance on the sideline for the Knicks games, that will give us something else to look at. But I don't really know what we're getting in Pinson, to be honest. And it makes the Trier cut all the more confusing. Yeah. Well, we haven't had, like, one of those uh, bench guys, have we? I mean, Kyle Quinn, probably the last one I could think of. That was just, like, funny to cut to. So, I guess that's something. But Helping out the production crew. Sure. <laughs> Which team do you guys see Trier fitting on best, though? I hope he goes to the playoff team personally. Yeah, I hope he goes to the playoff team. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if he's playoff eligible. I don't know. I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't think he Played is. the rest of the eight games, but I don't think he can play because it's too late in the season, even yes. though at the normal calendar. So, but I would like to see him go to a playoff team. Everybody, every playoff team, you need, you need a guy who you can score off the bench. We've seen this time and time again. You need a guy. Every good playoff team has like a Jamal Crawford, a Lou Williams. You just need a guy who can, at, on any given night, your, your starters don't have it, but you need a guy to give you 25. Like, even JR was terrific in New York, you know? Like, you, you need a guy who's just going to be the super six man and, and just kind of step up as needed. So, I'd like to see Trier get an opportunity to do that somewhere where he can just basically, the rest of uh, the team and the identity is kind of there, and he can just literally, hey, man, we just need you 20 minutes a night. Just get in there, go off. Just do what you got to do. I'd like to see what he could do. I, I think that's a good – I don't know. I've seen people talk about, like, the Lakers and everything. I don't know, but – Yeah, my highly ambitious ceiling for him was Lou Williams, where he would just come in at the end of the games. I mean, kind of the same player where Lou Williams is not a defensive stalwart by any imagination. He's just a bucket getter. I, I mean, I thought if tailored well, and that's kind of what another problem I have. It's like, okay, even if he does have gaping holes in two parts of his game, what happened to development that we're all championing? Work with him. Like, you're telling me if he can score one-on-one, that's an asset. He can shoot from deep, that's an asset. Work with everything else. He didn't have to become Frank Nielakin on defense or this maestro of a point guard. He just had to be competent in those areas. Why not develop that? That's yeah. a good question. I mean, Knicks fans talk again, like, how they want the team to develop it, and then they find a young guy they don't like for some reason, even though all the other young guys have obvious holes. Like, it's funny how Frank became the one-sided Knicks uh, guard that everyone loves and shares the one that a lot of people hate, even though he's good on the side of the ball that is more beneficial to the game now. Most, most important skill in basketball. Most yeah. important skill in basketball. Like, that, that's the, fir- the very first thing when anybody picks teams, anybody scouting, anybody, can he score? That's, what, that's step one is, is can he score? How can he score? That's it. That's all you're looking at, right? And you then from there, about his gravity. You don't care about his gravity. That's not really looking out. That that's like a subsection, you know. Later <laughs> on, and then but then you get to rebounding, you get to defense, you get to these things. Of course, of course. But like, you know, n- nobody wants you know Andre Roberson. You know, people. That's not that's not the guy you get first. You know, you need a scorer first. Scoring is always you, you need to be able to put the ball in the hoop as a team and as a player. So I I don't understand when, when you when you're when you're devoid of that, choosing to have less of those guys, especially after you stumbled into finding him undrafted, locked him up to a pretty good deal. Like, I thought that was like a pretty big win for Perry. Like, I was like, wow, you, you found this guy. You let him go. You let him, go, you let him pray, play free. Like, I, I'll give Fizdale that. Like, he let Trier just do his thing every time he was out there at least, right? But after that, you, you, you okay, this worked out. We're going to sign you again. And then we immediately are going to tank your trade value and then just wave you. And then that's yeah, it. We're this just going to ruin the situation. Well, just think how the season started. It start, he started at shooting guard opening night, and then he got up to 31 DNPs before the trade deadline. Ridiculous. Are you kidding me? 
It's ridiculous. On this team? Like, he couldn't find minutes on this team. No, it's ridiculous. So You have to play Wayne Ellington, guys. <laughs> you have to play the old guys that can't play over the young guys that have promise. That's just how it works. I guess. I guess that's just – well, hopefully it's not the new norm. Hopefully that was the old norm because that's that's disgusting. It's just – now what, what – as a Nick fan, why would I believe that you're going to turn Kevin Knox into anything now? Why am I going to believe that any of these guys are actually going to stay together? Past five the, years. The, the, the only thing that I'll, you know, give them is that unless this was an entirely R.J. Barrett-related thing and that was the, the rift or the issue, I'm not – I'm only speculating because I remember, like, early in the season there was, like, a like tweet or something like that. I don't remember. But it was, it was something thereabouts. And then there was, like, the murmuring about if there was issues. And that's the only thing I could think of because, to me, it's just very strange. Like, again, even if you don't – earn as high on Trier, like you you still would acknowledge that the Knicks needed more scoring and bench scoring or something, you know? So you would acknowledge that Trier probably needed to at least play more than, you know, 31 DNPs. So I think we could all agree on that. I just think that's kind of what's striking to me is like just how drastic it was. Not even just like he has reduced minutes this year because like Knox had reduced minutes and we kind of got it, right? The team stunk last year. They signed some vets because they didn't want to stink as bad. I understood. If Knox wanted to get those minutes back as much as they he should have played better uh as much as i've said it on the podcast a lot like you know i i got it but trier i didn't really get how he kind of it wasn't really a reduction it was just like all right well that's it you're just you're done here kid enjoy the bench well yeah him and knox were the most affected by those veteran signings because they were both just kind of thrown into purgatory but Uh, trier actually showed like trier kept doing what he was doing in his rookie year knox kind of just fell off or just kind of flatline, but Trier early in the season did what he did last season. I mean, there was a stretch his rookie season. I think it was like seven or eight games where he led the team in scoring. So I just – it's just it's just weird mismanagement. And if you're not – like, try and get something from him at the deadline. Shit, Willie got us, what, two first-round – two second-round picks? Second-round picks. Yeah. Like, from a bad team. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think – I'm pretty sure – isn't that the – is that the pick we're using this year or no, right? Yeah, this year and next yeah. year. Okay, that's, yeah. That's one of my – that's been one of our long-time Knicks gripes is that they, they typically just sit on guys and they don't want to make decisions. They're always interested in bringing everybody back all the time, every single time. They don't want to, they don't want to move anybody at the deadline. Like Marcus Moore, that's why we were all surprised, surprised Marcus Morris actually happened. Yeah. There, was a lot, there was a lot of pessimism that they were like going to do the, the classic Knicks. Well, we're looking at it. We're, we're getting offers. We're considering this. Ah, we're not going to trade a single person. Like, so I was a little bit surprised when they actually did it. You know, I, I was glad they did. Oh, that was a good trade, but but yeah. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I I don't want to be like too down because on the other side, this is kind of what we talked about on the on the last pod with uh, the worldwide West thing. I don't think that they're going to be very interested in a long term rebuild here. Right. Like, like I do really think that what I've been saying on this pod for a while, I didn't think it was going to happen, and it remains to be seen if I'm going to be correct. But I thought it was time. Like you got to start you know, changing some pieces and figuring out who's going to stay and who's going to go. You can't just keep everybody every, you know, for the most part, every season. So I thought at some point you hire a worldwide West and a Leon Rose to like go for it, you know, and I don't think they were in prime position to do that right now, but to do that, you're going to have to start letting some of the younger players go, whether you're trading for them or waving them like they did with Trier. So I'm interested to see what's next anyway, because I was kind of calling for them to shake things up. Uh, this is kind of in, 
that line, but I just don't know where this is going to take us. It just kind of makes me wonder, like, who's next? Like, Dotson has been kind of on the chopping block, like Trier, for whatever reason, another guy who could shoot that they didn't play often enough. But so, you know, is he a guy who's next? You know, we there was the, the rumors that they don't like Knox very much. Is he another guy that maybe they're going to shop before things uh, resume play? It just makes you wonder how drastic this is going to go, you know, and, and how they're going to shake things up. But we'll see. Well, there wasn't a next, but there was a before. And it was, ironically, Trier's college teammate, Kadeem Allen, who was cut in favor of Phoenix Sun, former Phoenix Sun, rather, Jared Harper. And for those who don't know Harper, he played at Auburn, had a great end to his Auburn career. And then R.J. Barrett's summer league debut, Harper was the guy that could be seen blowing by Barrett. So speedy guard, another guy who had good G League stats, and I believe he is going to take Allen's spot in the two-way contract. Did you guys have any reaction one way or another? Kind of seems like a non-consequential move, but a solid one. I like that. Two ways aren't made for guys in their prime. Kadeem is 27. He's older than Alfred. And I looked at some of Harper's um, highlights in the G League. He obviously, you know, is an offensive guy. Like, he's a smart playmaker. He's a very confident shooter and scorer. But he also gets after it defensively. And he's 22. So, you know, they didn't really use their two ways, their two way guys too much. They used Kadeem, obviously, as like the first injury uh, replacement guy. But they didn't use Ivan Rab that much. And, for the short time to Kenny Wooten after he got signed to it, they didn't really use him. But I like the addition of Harper, especially um, over Kadeem, even though I like him. Like, again, he's in his prime. Like, two ways should be for guys that are, you know, young and can improve and have some potential. So definitely a good move here. I like Harper. I agree. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be a bit inconsequential. But I I think the whole point of the G League spots are, like Sam said, like the, these are guys that you want to be taking chances on and, and kind of shuffling through quite often uh, I think you should try out as many of those guys as you can because some of those guys inevitably are always NBA guys you know and sometimes more than just seventh eighth men sometimes those guys come up and they're actual legitimate impact players or starters you know so for me you got to always keep shuffling through and I'm fine with them doing that here I, I watched some of the tape it was mostly highlights so I got to watch more I, I of course I've liked what I've seen from highlights but it looks like the kid can hoop uh Always fine with it. I just, as always with the G League, my only ask is if you're going to sign it and you're going to give these guys second chances from other uh, organizations, I at least ask that you call them up and give them a legitimate chance in the NBA, um, assuming that they're doing well in the G League. You know, I, I'd like to see as many of these guys get, you know, Kenny Woot when I even wanted to see him get minutes. Like when we're this bad, I, I just want to see some guys come up and they don't got to play every single night, but, you know, Give them a game here and there. I just want to let them get some minutes. I want to start letting you know, seeing them in actual action, not the G League. I think it's that's an important measure too, because ultimately that's what you're hoping to do with these guys. So we'll see. But Knicks actually do a pretty good job with their G League system. So if this is a guy that they feel they need to put in there, I'm always going to be open minded to it, at least much more so than with the big league club. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and one idea that I had for another two-way slot, especially if Wooten gets signed to the main club, is inspired by you, Kyle, and our friend Kaz, who's the host of Say Less for Whistle Sports, LiAngelo. So just some background. Kaz had LeVar Ball on the show. Make sure you listen to that if you haven't. And LeVar said it's going to take all three of his boys. Lonzo, I would love to have, no doubt. 
Mm-hmm. Lamelo, self-explanatory. Yep. Jello, are we above this now, or are we still, you know, the Knicks? So, Sam, let, let me know what you think first, because we know where I stand. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense to bring him on now because the lottery hasn't happened, and there's, I really don't think LaMelo is going to fall outside the top three, let alone to sixth. But if the ping-pong balls finally bounce our way, I don't care if Jell is the, fifth, the 15th guy in Westchester. Uh, he can have that spot um, if it makes us more impressionable for LaMelo. Sure. Jello can have that spot. That's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, so, so for, first of all, when I tweeted this, I, I got a lot of like immediate pushback, and I, it was actually kind of split. But the people who were uh, in disagreement with me were, were pretty loud about it. But so first of all, I mostly tweeted this in jest because if we learned anything from the Lavar Ball 1.0 run with a uh, you know Lonzo in LA, he said this exact same stuff. He said this exact same stuff. All the boys were going to play in L.A. They were destined to be Lakers. You know, it, you know, if you get Lonzo, he, you were going to get Jello right after, and then afterwards Melo was going to come. Like, he's been saying the same stuff. He, he's always just been saying, all, all my boys are going to play for one team. And then Lonzo goes to New Orleans, and you don't really hear anything about LeVar. You know what I mean? Like, because all he's doing is just marketing. He's just getting his boys' names out there. That's all he's really doing. You know, I know people don't like him because he's loud and everything, but – that's all he's really doing. He's just marketing that his boys are going to be there, you know, in, in one spot. So it didn't happen in L.A., obviously. It didn't. So it's not going to happen here. But on the off chance that the ping pong balls do bounce our way, and or if they don't, and he's forcing his way to New York, as a lot of people are hoping he does or speculating he may, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, if he's really going to – I've, I've long thought that kid is going to be the best ball brother. And, and I like Lonzo. Uh, I don't love his game per se, but he's definitely a, a good NBA player, a, a good, respectable NBA player. And he's still young, growing, developing. So who knows how good he's going to be. But I, my own private belief was LaMelo was going to be the best one. So if that's how the Knicks feel and, and, and they're going to invest in him like you know a, a star for, or cornerstone in this franchise, yeah, for a team that you're, you're – your reputation and your image in this league is trashed year after year. It's really not the end of the world for you to take a, another Chris Smith deal. Like we, we are not above this. Like if, if push came to shove, that's all I'm saying. Like if you're really going to invest in that kid and you, and you traded some assets or you moved up to get him, or, you know, you needed to, you know what I mean? Like if the Knicks made sure they had to have, him. and part of that was like, can you just give uh, LaMelo like a, a bullshit G league deal? Then, who cares? Who cares? I, I honestly, he's never going to play. He's never going to get called up. We know it. It's just so he's around his brother, basically, with the organization. Who cares? We've done it before. Stars always get these kinds of things. Like, th- this is what happens. Doesn't Giannis's brother play with him on the Bucks right now, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. No one yeah. says anything about it. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And, I, and obviously, obviously, he's an actual NBA sort of fringe level player. We know he got drafted. Okay. Okay. He's not, he's not good. My point is, at some point, he was at least drafted, right? Like, at least there was interest in him to be drafted as an NBA player. Jello, we knew right immediately. We knew that guy wasn't going to get drafted. We, we, we knew that. We knew that. All of us knew that, right? That's my, that's my only point. So, like, at least one you could pretend is an NBA player. The other one, of course not. But my point is, if you want it, to – it's ultimately one of those hypotheticals that are going to be meaningless uh, for me, you know? That's, that's mostly what it comes down to. So, it is what it is. But – 
I would do it. I would do it. Yeah. Well, I just to put a bow on it, I think I would only do it if you tell Lavar's camp, do everything you can to force a trade to New York and we'll sign Jello if it gets done type of thing. But whoever the next coach is, is going to have some fun if Lamar Lavar is in town. And that's leads us to our last topic, the head coaching search. Last episode, we talked about Jason Kidd and Becky Hammond. But this list has expanded beyond them as well as Thibodeau and Atkinson. Sam, you've been following it for us on the Knicks one, but doing really good work. I suggest you guys check out that list of lesser-known names. It will be posted in the blog for this pod. But, Sam, just to start off, I guess, what's the one name people don't know that you think is worth more attention? Um. Of the five that I covered in the piece you mentioned of, like, the five lesser-known guys, I think I have to go with two, and it's Jamal Mosley and Will Hardy. Hardy is the name that interests me the most. He's only 32 years old, but he has grown up with the Spurs starting at age 21 and for the past decade-plus. He's only been the assistant coach for the last four years, but the basketball minds that he's been able to talk to, so many head coaches, all the great players the Spurs have had, Pop raves about him, Kawhi raves about him, I don't know what he would be made of um, if he were a head coach, but he's someone that I would just love to get into this organization in some capacity. I just think he's the right type of mind, and he's still young, and he's a guy that I think – I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach per se, but like if he wants to leave his assistant spot in San Antonio for one here, I would give it to him in a heartbeat. And Mosley is another one of my favorites from the lesser-known guys. He's been assistant coach for – 14 years on a couple of different clubs. He worked with Mello when he was in uh, Denver and he was most recently with the Mavericks and he seems to have a pretty good relationship with Luca. So those are the two guys that I would keep my eye on. Mosley seems to really understand player development. He was the defensive coordinator for Dallas for the past two years, but their defense wasn't anything too special. I don't think it was really built to be anyway, but he seems to be a guy who really understands player development and seems to have a great, um, seems to prioritize it. Um, he would be my one of my top coach uh, picks to become the head coach. So Hardy and Jamal Mosley are the two guys um, to look out for, in my opinion. Yeah, Hardy was the one that stuck out for me as well when I was reading it. And I'm noticing a trend in these interviews. It seems – and I'm happy about it, by the way. It seems to be like they're picking for Greg Popovich's coaching tree, which, yeah. as we said last episode – that seems to be the one successful coaching tree in the league. We have Kerr is it technically a Popovich descent, even though he kind of intertwines with Phil Jackson, Brett Brown, Budenholzer, Borrego. That's that's if you're gonna poach that, I think that's the organization you want to go for. For sure, some good fruit from that tree as well, including uh, Ime Udoka. He's another candidate that has been coaching with the Spurs for past five years I imagine but he's been with the organization as a player and a coach as well yeah and how he was with the Sixers he just joined the Sixers this season right uh, yeah, I believe so this was his first year in Philly gotcha. so the past five this year I think was San Antonio yeah I remember the only reason I know who I'm Yudoka is is because he's married to Neil Long which is kind of embarrassing on my end but <laughs> I mean shit I'd be happy to have her in New York um, but yeah I mean no that's too on a serious note it's that's too I mean Popovich and then Brett Brown's not that bad of a coach too. He's has definitely has some insight on turning around a bad or a bad team into a playoff contender. So he's a firmly good coach, Brett Brown. I feel like not the point. This is not a Sixers pod. I feel like 
everybody with the Sixers is mad extreme. Like it is Philly. They, they, I love been, Philly. But come on. So, if we had any kind of success like they did after drafting two players back to back years like that, or whatever, and letting them go off, you know, and we got to the second round back, you do you know how insufferable we would have been? Are you kidding me? And after two years, people are like, oh, Brett Brown's got to get fired. You know, you got to split these guys up. And would you guys relax, man? My God. He's, maybe he's not the best coach. Maybe he's not the best fit, but Jesus. I mean, he is, he's a firmly good coach. Not great. Not very good, but good. I yeah. think that's irrefutable. Firmly good. Yeah, good coach. Not amazing, but gets the job done. Works well with the stars that they have. I, I like it. I just can't. I can't believe the things I see. Like anybody in Philly, I feel like everybody's so down on all the time. It's just it's like the, the, oh, B- B- Ben and Joe aren't going to work. Oh my, Br- Brett Brown's got to get fired. Either. It's like I, I, I don't know. I look at the situation. I see. Unless I'm looking through it with more rosy colored glasses, I'm looking at a pretty decent situation there, I thought. But, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he, he coached Rashawn Holmes as a starting center, that guy is a saint for not quitting his job. It's, but either way, that's that. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that's a good coaching tree we want to get on. Um, Sam, who's your favorite? Like, if you were. Leon Rose, who are, right now, who are you leaning towards? Because you got Atkinson, Tibbs, some of the names you just mentioned. Hopefully, Becky Hammond gets thrown into the mix. Jason Kidd seems to be in the mix. Is there anyone you're leaning towards right now? For me, it's Kenny. For player development. Got a boy. Launching threes. That, I mean, I, this roster is not built to shoot a lot of threes and play with a high pace, but that's just where the NBA is going. Kenny knows it. That's how his teams have been playing. He developed a bunch of no-name guys like, Joe Harris was barely hanging on. Dinwiddie was hanging on. You know, mid-first-round picks, Garrett Allen, Karis LeVert, no one expected anything from them. Those four all became key players on a playoff team. And he tapped, um, you know, unlocked D'Angelo Russell's potential pretty quickly. Definitely seems like the right guy for this club. Even if he's not the greatest, like, technical coach in X's and O's, like, the Knicks don't need that. They need to have good players. And I think Kenny is the right type of guy to get the most out of players and have them playing in a modern way. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. Uh, I, I've, I've been leading Kenny for quite some time. I also think it actually kind of makes sense that it would almost look good that somebody that was formerly hired from this organization wanted to come back, too. I think that's, that's another, like, I, I like to think of the PR points, too, that come of certain moves. That, you know, that's, that's something that's been interesting to me. But I think Kenny's a good coach. I think he's proved it. I think he definitely has some shortcomings. I definitely think... In hindsight, maybe that Brooklyn situation wasn't as rosy as we were led to believe by some of the comments from D'Angelo Russell. And uh, But either way, I think you can't argue with the results, too. And he found ways to win and get those guys to kind of overperform. And uh, I mean, they were a scrappy team. They were a scrappy, good team. Helped a bunch of guys develop. Dinwiddie, Levert, uh, D'Lo. I mean, I'm fine with taking a chance. I, I think I, I saw enough in Brooklyn to be interested and We'll see. I, I'd like I'd like for him to be like secretly the favorite, and like the Tibbs thing was smoked the whole time. But yeah, yeah I I think Tibbs is actually going to get picked off by a team that's closer to competing. I hope that's the case. And Kenny's been here. What he was here with D'Antoni. I'm pretty sure with Atlanta he was with Budenholzer, I believe. So he's been around good offenses. I feel like the Nets cut him loose way too soon. Thank you, Kyrie. So hopefully that comes, but. We'll have more time to think on that. Uh, Sam, anything to plug? Um, 
now just follow me on Twitter. I write a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, I'm writing a lot of stuff at the next well. So, yeah, follow me there, Sam DG. Yep. yep, and it will also be in the blog just for to reiterate, Sam DG14. Kyle, anything going on? Any new guests? You had Fred Van Vliet on your 3 to the Dome podcast. Any other guests? LeVar Ball, maybe? Uh, no, 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 LeVar Ball. Uh, I am uh, most likely going to have on uh, Chuck from Team Flight Bros to talk about Vince Carter uh, and his illustrious dunking career. So uh, look forward to that whenever uh, we schedule that in and get it up. But aside from that, make sure you're following the Knicks ball, following uh, What's the Sports. And uh, that's about it. We'll uh, talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. See you.